What's up, you guys? It's your host, Michael Swoboda, and this is the Average Alaskan Podcast, the show where we cover the good, the bad, and the ugly of Alaskan outdoors and life up here in Alaska. So I'm recording this to inform you guys that we have an awesome interview, but unfortunately, I kind of messed some stuff up. We had some technical difficulties, and half of the podcast did not get recorded, which is a shame. So I'm going to do my best to give you guys a brief summary of what was discussed in the half of the podcast you will not be hearing, but I do assure you that you will enjoy the other half of the podcast that is still up and ready for you guys, which you guys are listening to right now. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, I apologize for the issue. It's our first technical issue and hopefully our last, but you never know. So I apologize for that. And I apologize to Jake. Uh, this episode, we had an awesome interview with Jake Havlicek from XO Mountain Gear. Uh, a lot of you guys probably know of the company and probably listen to their podcast because they have a pretty dynamite podcast. Um, Jake has been working over there for five years. Um, Two years full-time, he got a job out of high school, or actually in high school, helping them out uh, there in Boise, Idaho. EXO is a custom back, or I shouldn't say custom, this is a, they are a specialty backpack company uh, producing only backpacks, but the best of the best when it comes to backpacks. They make amazing gear. They focus solely on backpacks for backpack hunting, and that's their sole purpose is to just produce the best products out there. Um, Jake's worked for them for five years. Like I said, two years full time. He helps run their social medias, uh, their uh, returns, all of their customer service stuff he helps with, as well as building packs and doing all of it. He's, uh, he's a Swiss army knife. And we talked about his life, his role in the hunting industry and how he got there. Um, he had plenty of nice things to say about a ton of people out there, and you'll never know who you are. But I'm sure if you're important in Jake's life, he gave you a shout out. So um, big thanks to Jake's dad. I hope you're listening. I'm sorry I screwed up your son's awesome interview. Um, also, Jake's little brother, congratulations on your first mule deer. That's super awesome. Keep up the hard work and keep going, man. That's awesome. Super excited to hear that. He gave you a big shout out, and I'm doing my best to do justice to it. So thank you guys for everybody that's listening. Uh, like I said, we will jump into this interview at pretty much the halfway point. We start talking about Jake and the team from EXO's recent trip to Kodiak Island this last fall. And we talk about that, some of the gear, some of the experiences, and uh, what to look forward to if you're booking your own trip up here to Alaska to do a hunt like that. Um, so that's the interview you'll get, and I once again apologize for losing the other half of it. It was a great interview. We'll get Jake uh, back on here. He was an amazing guest, and we're excited to uh, you know, build a relationship with Jake and continue to stay in contact so hopefully we'll get jake back on here and we'll do a proper interview for you guys in the future but uh if you have any other questions about exo or what they do um you can reach out to me at all of my social media or at the podcast at average alaskan podcast at yahoo.com for email or go reach out 
talk to the EXO guys. If you've got questions, they'll answer them on their podcast. They've got awesome customer support. Jake himself will answer the phone or answer some emails if you send them that way. So Absolute Dynamite Company, go check them out. They make dynamite killer products. And I mean, they're they're American made. They're in home. They're an Idaho company. They're, they're awesome. That's, I mean, I can sit here and talk about how much I enjoy them. Uh, but you know, that's not what we're here for. You're here to listen to an interview. So, uh, like I said, I apologize. Hop in, enjoy the rest of the episode. Y'all have a good one. So yeah, no, like we were saying, sorry guys listening. We had some technical problems. We got it squared away, and now we're going to get right back to it. Um, But, no, what you're saying about being over there and just kind of – because this was your first experience up to Alaska, and it's kind of – I mean, I still remember when I first landed up here back in 2012, and, I mean, it took me like four months just to kind of come to – come to realization that this is real life and this is where I live now. Um, but what was it? So y'all were in Larson Bay, which um, a little background on my family's business and what we do where, um, so we are big game transports. It's very similar to Foxtail Lodge and the uh, services they provide. There's kind of three, I always break it down into like three types of trips you can do in Kodiak You've or I guess four. You've got your full guided trips, stay at a lodge, go guided. You can stay at a lodge and kind of do the DIY transport hunts, which that I believe is kind of the route y'all went, staying with Foxtail yeah. and then getting uh, taken around to their different hunting locations and then, you know, exploring yourself throughout the day. Uh, and then the third option is what we do, which is the exact same service, but you live and stay aboard the the boat, the vessel. So we have a 48-foot uniflight uh, charter boat, which sleep. We have nine bunks, two full bathrooms, full shower, uh, freshwater uh, maker, kitchen, uh, oh, wow. all that. So you would just, you know, you stay on the boat, the boat travels location to location, and then we skiff our clients from the main vessel to our hunting locations. So instead of having a kind of traditional, you know, brick and mortar lodge on land, we're just kind of operate as a floating lodge and then provide that same service. And then there's your, your traditional DIY fly in trip or hike out trip. Uh, but those are kind of right. the main four ways to do the Kodiak experience. So y'all, the, what, yeah. what y'all did was just kind of, I'd say the, a little, not, a little more room. You get mm-hmm. a little more elbow space at the evenings, you know, right. you're not living aboard. It's not quite the same experience. Uh, I'm a little yeah. biased and jaded, but uh, I think the boat trips are better. No, <laughs> plug right. the swivel well, boat charters. Um, but <laughs> I was going to say is um, I remember you asking me the question, and I never really kind of uh, answered kind of what my uh, preparation. I, I kind of just talked about how I was just looking at what gear to bring, but I will say some resources. Uh, I, I was watching um, the Hush Hush guys, Brian, Casey, and Eric are. They, they did a Kodiak video and so they uploaded that and I think they, they did a vessel hunt as well. So it was just a little bit different, but it did help, you know, get me familiar with, you know, what Kodiak is like and kind of the hunting style. But it definitely showed a little bit of behind, behind the scenes of, you know, what you guys do with, you know, vessel hunts. And I got to admit, you know, yes, the, um, I, I, the, the, the lodge staying, 
uh, is pretty nice, but it, the boat looked awesome too. It just, I think there's two different atmospheres and whether if I ever go to Kodiak again, um, Steve, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> Subtle nudge. nudge. Uh, if, you know, if I ever, right, right. No, I mean, uh, no, no, yeah, not expecting <laughs> anything, but, um, if, uh, if I ever were to go to Kodiak again, I would definitely not stick my nose up to, you know, doing a vessel hunt. Cause that definitely looked awesome. I mean, I know after talking with Brian, he, he enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, that's what we did was the, uh, the, the lodge hunt and it was, it was super fun. It was a, it was a great time. Yeah. And, um, so y'all, y'all were there with, like you said, y'all had a, you know, full gang of guys with y'all. What was y'all's typical day like? Like, you know, so first day y'all got in, you know, weren't hunting. So I'm sure y'all were, you know, going through gear, just kind of trying to get acclimated, stretch the legs after Mm -hmm. flying a bit. Uh, but rolling into that next day, did y'all, you know, kind of, partner up how'd y'all go about you know splitting into hunting groups and uh because i know y'all also did some fishing on that trip and i think uh at least a couple people did some duck hunting as well like what was your uh kind of your day-to-day process like did y'all kind of already have established groups y'all planned on hunting with like how did that go about yeah so uh day one was uh yeah so day one like the first day we got in there yes we unpacked and then just kind of talked about what the process was and, and kind of explaining it to the guys like myself, Jeff, Cody, and, and Justin about, you know, what Kodiak is like and what the experiences is, experiences and how we're going to hunt. So then we ended up just breaking off into groups. So we ended up doing, um, basically groups of two, um, so four groups, two, uh, two guys. And so I was actually paired up with Mark. I, I really wanted to hunt with Mark. And just cause I, you know, work for him every day, he tells me, you know, what to do and all this. And so I just thought it'd be great to, you know, get to, you know, put some boots to the ground with him and, and be able to, you know, have, have a fun day of hunting with him. So, you know, we basically Rafe, our, uh, deckhand, uh, is that what you call him? Deckhand? Yeah. You know, the guy who manages the boat. Yeah. So Rafe and Nolan, they got us loaded up into the boat. And we went to one side of the island, dropped off four guys, went to the other side, dropped off myself, Mark, Cody, and Steve. And then uh, Mark, Mark and I's group broke off from Steve and Cody. And then we just went hunting for the day. And then, yeah, for those who, who listened a couple of minutes ago, you know, I was talking about how I wasn't feeling too hot. Uh, so I still, I was getting, yeah, I was getting acclimated, still just kind of feeling like sick, flu, cold, like not flu, cold-like symptoms. And Mark was just, he was basically, he had an imaginary leash around my neck and just yanking me up the hill. <laughs> um, and I finally kind of warmed up like a diesel engine. It took me a while to warm up, but then when I was ready, I was, I was going. Um, yeah, so, I mean, the first day was the most prettiest day ever. I think Mark and I, uh, you know, ate up all of our phone stories from just taking video after video after video of just the lake, the, you know, the, the ocean planes flying over the snow glistening on the mountain just crazy taking it all in and so yeah then there we were i mean we were hiking straight up and i like how you mentioned earlier you know how kodiak is just get off on the beach and then boom straight up is the mountain because that it, it's that and then you've got the devil's club bushes and just all types of brush just whacking in the face oh yeah and i'm sure you guys yeah you guys are chuckling about that <laughs> yeah. <glasses>. so for, <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and um so we you know, hiked up the hill, uh, the first, you know, kind of main pole. And we were just kind of 
it was just kind of this rolly uh, hill that just kept inclining. And every time we got up to the bench, we were glassing up a new, you know, new group of does you know, here to the right and then to the left. And um, I remember we kind of got to the very top and I remember spotting this big bodied forking horn and Mark had gotten prone and uh, that buck was just kind of on the move and we just couldn't make things happen. And this was, you know, I've kind of skipped a little bit, but you know, it's about 11, 1130. And so we kind of take a little bit of a break. Mark knows I'm a little tired. Like I was just not feeling good that day. Luckily I felt better all the other days. Um, but then we were eating and then we were going to just basically drop down the way we were facing. But Mark decided just to pop over, take a look on the other hillside uh, and basically glass down the bottom um, and just kind of look, see in the flats uh, where Cody and Steve were kind of hunting. You know, I mean, it's such a big area. We weren't going to be, you know, bumping elbows with them, but just kind of take a look. And sure as heck, Mark ends up glassing a group of, group of deer and end up finding the smallest buck uh, out of the trip and he he uh you know ends up finding him he's just right on our hillside and all of a sudden i see mark just you know doing a full-on sprint jake jake come on over here and so being the selfless person i am i was like no no you shoot it and he's like heck no dude like i came here I, i'm hunting with you so you can kill your first you know blacktail like you're shooting this buck so we get set up and uh i, I will give myself a little bit of a pat on the back man it, it was it was definitely an incredible shot we were you know it was a 270 yard downhill shot and when I'm talking downhill I was I was standing up kind of half kneeling and with the shooting sticks or the trek and pull shooting stick combo and uh kind of getting squared and taking some deep breaths and Mark's like all right I'm on him let me know and I ended up just clicking the safety off and squeezing the trigger and and I remember just hearing that buck hearing that you know shot hit buck kicked and I think he jumped took a couple leaps and went down and man, it was just awesome. It was definitely super cool to be able to do that with somebody that I work with and, and have this connection with. I mean, Mark's a, you know, I love Mark, love Mark to death. And it was super cool to be able to share that experience with him. And so we, you know, slapped hands, gave each other a hug and went down and there we were, we were, you know, skinning out my first, you know, black tail buck. And so it was a great time. Definitely. Uh, I was a little bit, not, I would say paranoid, but you know, you hear about brown bears. And so we're doing it quick, a little bit quiet and uh, yeah, ended up just getting it, you know, put in the packs and, and we're on our way. And so he, yeah, he and I both have the uh, deer in, in the packs and um, we ended up kind of walking. We were just kind of going in the direction of where the boat was going to be picking us up. Cause we were kind of hitting that time where, you know, I think it was, we have to be picked up by four thirty. So it was about two or something. We're walking back, ended up seeing a giant black or brown bear um, walking away from us. So that was pretty cool. And then we yeah, just ended up meeting up with Cody and Steve and hiked out. I found out that Cody had shot a buck and um, they already had, they, they shot it early in the morning and they were out hunting for Steve uh, later that day. And so, yeah, I mean, we were, we were, had two bucks on our side and then um, the other group of guys on the other side of the mountain uh, they only had one buck, but it was the biggest buck of the trip. So the smallest and the biggest buck of the trip were killed uh, on the first day. Um, so, yeah, I mean, then kind of how the rest of the trip worked out. So we were there for seven total days. We basically broke it up to where, okay, I hunted with you. I'm going to go hunt with you. And it was super cool for a guy like me. Uh, you know, I, I, I've done a lot of hunting, uh, you know, at the young age of 22, but still it's super cool to be able to uh, learn from other guys who are, 
you know, more experienced, I would say, just because they've gotten out in the field more than I have. So, you know, I hunted with different guys and it was super cool just to you know, hear about their different tactics and, and see, you know, what ways they chose to do versus the other guy I hunted with the day before. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the next day I, I remember I went with a good buddy of mine, Corey, and we ended up doing, I, I don't know if I had my days mixed up, but yeah, it was Corey and I, we went, uh, we got dropped off with Steve and Cody again, uh, at a, kind of a different location. And man, we, we did a death march and I ended up spotting a buck a thousand yards away and kind of tried to talk Corey out of it, but we ended up just going for it. And Corey ended up making the shot and it was like three, I, I forget what time it was when he shot it, but we were a ways back to where we knew it was going to be dark by the time we got up and put it in our packs. And we got it skinned out as fast as we could. And by the time we're hiking out of the valley, I mean, we were, yeah, we were a mile and a half, two miles out and it started to get dark already. And so it was a little eerie, you mm. know, you're wondering how that nine millimeter on your hip belt is going to do that. You've got a high powered rifle in your hand. You've got a bloody mule deer or a black tail in the back of your pack and you're with one other dude. So luckily, fortunately nothing happened, but I mean, uh, I talked about this a little bit on the last podcast. Corey gave me a hard time not talking about how badass it was. Uh, there's your explicit. <laughs> uh, you guys told me the explicit, but um, I mean, it was a super epic pack out where we were, you know, pitch black. So I wouldn't do it again, but it was cool. To say I did it, you know, trekking poles, heavy pack, hiking out in Alaska. You got the, we were hiking out in bear tracks, you know, uh, that were fresh, you know, within a day. And it was, it was cool glad I'm I made it out safe and yeah shout out to Nolan and Rafe uh, for hanging out for us I mean it was like 8 30 when we got back to the uh, uh, to the lodge and so I mean pickup time is 4 30 so that gives you an idea of how far back we were and how long it took us to hike out so yeah, yeah I mean uh, that was great and then yeah, yeah by then we I was smoked so the next day we did some fishing and it was definitely a good uh, good change and uh, it was it was incredible. The fishing was great, and I'm sure you guys know it. Um, I was unable to catch a freaking tuna, uh, tuna um, uh, halibut or uh, cod. I don't know. I mean, the two things we were mainly going for. I didn't catch a single one, but I caught literally everything else. I even caught the only salmon on that trip. Um, so yeah, man. I mean, did a bunch of fishing, and that was great. We got a lot of fish to bring back to the you know to the houses, and then um, yeah, and then kind of broke that up and went back to, to deer hunting and spent a lot of time with, um, yeah, I went out with Corey again and we ended up shooting my buck, which was a super nice three point And that was fun. I mean, it was, it was epic. Um, how snowfall comes down and then once the snow goes away, everything's just, you know, you got 10 inches of snow and then it's bright, sunny, deer moving, fighting each other. Uh, it, it was just super cool. And I remember spotting my buck, um, with Corey, we, I think we hiked in about a half a mile when we spotted mine and my gun jammed. It was frozen. I, I was freaking out. It wouldn't cycle. Corey's like, dude, chill. Hands me his rifle, dials it for me. And I, you know, put the crosshairs on him. It was 400 yard shot and Buck just dropped in his tracks. That was super great. And, um, yeah, we were able to, I was, I was tagged out in Alaska then cause I only had gotten two tags. Um, so that was awesome and made our way back and, um, yeah, I mean, I was along trying to think of the other kills I was a part of. That's another thing. And, and Steve mentions this in our podcast, uh, a bunch is, um, how Kodiak 
in general, black tail deer hunting uh, is, is great for folks who are, uh, don't have the experience and, and would like to get some kills under their belt. Uh, or, you know, you know, the, the hunting aspect and being able to skin out an animal, you know, you're, we ended up having, I think there were 17 tags and 14 of those tags were filled. So, I mean, there's a high rate, there's a high, you know, possibility that you're going to be a part of, you know, skinning out three or four deer on that trip. And so it was really good for me to be able to get the opportunity to work on deer, learn, uh, you know, different skinning methods. Obviously there's only a, you know, only a handful, but it was, it was great to just be able to get the hands-on experience and become more uh, confident in doing so. Um, so yeah, that was great. Um, I didn't go on duck, didn't go on duck hunt, duck or, or waterfowl hunt. They just don't do it for me. So Justin and Cody did that and, um, they, they had fun. They had a blast. And then on the last day, I went out with Mark and a buddy of our, and another buddy, uh, Jeff. And that was a super fun day. It was actually the coldest day. I remember it was like 14 degrees with, and then there was a little bit of wind added to that. So it was, ooh, it was a bit, nippy out there yeah. <laughs> um yeah there was that that breeze was not fun and so we ended up just playing the still hunting game and uh i didn't have a tag or i didn't have anything left so i was just out for the adventure with mark and and jeff and jeff was kind of the lead point man just kind of the guide almost just kind of walking us through and mark was the one who was just getting ready to shoot and yeah i mean it was just so it's so different and unique how that hunting is compared to here you know anywhere uh, in Idaho, Arizona, Utah, just that still hunting game is such a huge uh, benefit over there. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, that's how we ended up shooting Mark's buck is we were just walking through just every five steps, stop, look around, because you're going to end up finding, you know, a buck. And sure as heck, we found a nice, nice buck. It was it was the, the only four point. It wasn't as big as Justin's, but I mean, it was right there. I mean, Mark killed a, and he's he shoulder mounting it. It was definitely a, Stud. stud buck and it was just weird i mean we ended up walking on him and he was like 25 40 yards i don't i don't know 20 to 40 yards away from us and um so yeah that was a great way to kind of end everything we got up to him took some group photos um i learned how to cape out a deer actually so that was super cool you know tubing out the legs and everything like that and then just you know back to the boat and then uh we you know went back to the lodge and then it was just, you know, get ready the next day we're, we're, we're leaving. So it was either, if you've already got your meat cut up, then you're golden. If not, it's better. It's, it's time to start cutting up some meat. And I will say that is a lesson learned <laughs> is I will say it was probably would have probably been, no, I know it would have been a great idea if I would have uh, cut up my deer, you know, a day or two after than the last day and pile them up to two deer. Um, so Mark was awesome, helped me out, cut up my other one. But the one, the, the thing, the, the reason I say uh, lesson learned is because it froze, uh, it froze my meat. Mm. And so, I mean, that, it was just so hard to, you know, make those perfect cuts, you know, on those legs, just cause you couldn't really find, you know, where the tendons are and the bone. And it was just made things difficult, but we made, made do and, Got a lot uh, of quick work of it now. <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. I really do. Like only back straps and tenderloins are the non-burger meat. Um, so yeah, we ended up getting that taken care of. And then I also helped out, um, Rafe or sorry, Nolan cut up the salmon and, and, and cod and halibut. So that was super cool learning how to play them. And, um, yeah, man, I mean, it was 
just an epic adventure. I mean, I can I can talk about it so much. I'm I know I'm missing key points. Uh, a lot of it's on the Born and Raised YouTube channel, so folks do want to see that. It is there. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I think another funny part about it. So you know, we get done. Nolan's got everything boxed up for us, ready to ship out. I mean, that's their job. They know what to do. They, I'm sure you guys know the same thing. You know, you get your clients all, you know, taken care of and then ready for the next group. And so we, we you know, we, we get on the plane and we're getting ready to fly out. And I think I was 95% confident that I was not coming home alive after that plane ride. <laughs> um, it was, it was eerie. Uh, it was, and, and if you ask the other guys, you know, um, who, or, or sorry, if you ask the other guys, you know, how, how bad that flight was, they would admit that flight was pretty spooky. And it didn't help that the pilot would, was looking at his phone, eating, you know, gummy worms and <laughs> drinking Gatorade and not giving a rat's ass. There's your second explicit, um, <laughs> explicit comment, uh, not giving, you know, a flying crap about, you know, what's going on in front of him. And, you know, so we're battling this crosswind and we're flying super low and I remember just, you know, every time our, uh, the tail end of the plane kind of, you know, curved to the right a little bit, I remember just my face just immediately getting pale. I just felt it and just my stomach just drop and, oh man, it was, it was a just horrid, horrid 45 minute plane ride. And everybody was like, oh, okay, I'm glad we're, we're off that flight, but made it home safe. And, um, yeah, I mean, then everything was just back home, just you know, just going to Alaska or getting into Anchorage, uh, getting on the flight there and back to Boise. So yeah, yeah, that's kind of everything in a nutshell on my end. I mean, you can talk to the other seven guys and hear all their sides of the story. <laughs> no, it sounds like it was a great trip and man. Yeah. Flying anytime you're flying in Alaska period, it's always a little, uh, unnerving, but yeah, some of those, you know, charter pilots, those bush pilots and stuff, they've been, you know, they've been through everything and then some, so yeah, everybody else might be, you know, got a piece of leather between their cheeks and, you know, they'll just be sitting there, like you said, chewing on some gummy worms, not, you know, probably got a pot podcast going on in his headphones and going, you know, not just another day in the office for them, but oh man, flying through those mountains, yeah. especially, you know, it's always a fun game to play in between trips. We'll be waiting for our next uh, group of clients to fly into Kodiak and, you know, just watching the weather and we're like, yeah, this flight's not going to show up. <laughs> it's like, That's, they haven't canceled yeah. it yet, but uh, watching the fog level drop, the winds pick up and no, that's that's definitely one of the struggles with hunting Alaska in general, but specifically Kodiak. Just it gets all that you know. It's such a temperate climate, which which can be really nice. You know, you don't get the sub you know sub freezing temperatures very often. I mean, the day y'all were out hunting, I remember uh, that same week our you know, our group, it was, you know, it was a cold week. We had days, you know, in the teens, in the single digits, and that's real cold for Kodiak, but that warm weather brings a lot of turbulent weather off the coast. The south end of the island gets hammered this last season. I mean, every week, the north and south end of the island was just getting peppered by 40, 50 knot winds left and right, and it just, you know, it can make stuff, it can make 
make for a logistical nightmare when you're trying to plan that trip or, you know, we had to cancel one of our last trips of the season. We had a group coming from Fairbanks, Alaska, and their flight getting into Anchorage got delayed a day, and then they were stuck in Anchorage for three days at this point. Uh, you know, by the time they got into Kodiak, we and we would have gotten to the hunting grounds, they would have had two days left of their hunt, and so we, you know, were able to uh, come to, you know, talk with them and figure out a, you know, a better plan, just canceling the trip, you know, refunding what we could and just, you know, mm-hmm. going from there. Cause you know, that's just part of the, part of the game up here. I mean, we've had clients on the boat before telling stories. We had one gentleman that, you know, was going on a, a mountain goat hunt and he was flying into, oh shoot. I think he, I think he was down in Cordova, Alaska and was catching a flight from there but he got fogged into uh cordova for 11 days of his 12 day hunt and just never got to never even got to go to you know get to sheep or goat camp you know didn't even get to you know and it's just it can it can be like that sometimes up here unfortunately but kind of in that same vein uh for anybody that'd be plan you know looking to plan their own trip to kodiak um you know it's kind of become a popular trip uh for the reasons you stated earlier you know like as steve would you know put it you can get a year's worth of a year's worth of hunting in a week or you know a lifetime worth of hunting almost in a trip where like y'all said you know got 14 deer and you know we'll have trips on our boat i think our the most we've had was either 16 or 18 bucks come back to the boat. But I mean, the amount of time behind a knife and stuff and just getting the opportunity to fill a bunch of tags, you know, goes a long way. So we've seen an influx of people coming up here. So what would, what would your biggest uh, pieces of advice be to, or be for someone that's looking to plan their own trip up here? Yeah. I mean, it would definitely be if you don't know somebody already who's been up there, find someone and pick their brain uh, and then just call up people like you guys, uh, you know, who offer, you know, you know, these types of trips and, and do your research and then just uh, probably put a, make a, make a sheet of pros and cons of, you know, the different styles of hunts. If you want to go fully guided, if you want to go the way I did, if you want to do a festival hunt, like do that. And then obviously budget um, for me, it was very, very uh, amazing. Um, rare opportunity to be able to go on that trip with you know no you know having no expenses whatsoever um and so that was that was awesome so i know if i were to do that trip like let's say i was you know want to do that with my dad and and my brother um you know i would i've already known you know how to kind of book up you know book things through the lodge and everything but it's also you know the, the real work is just scheduling the flights getting you know your your weapons transferred you know or or on the carry on uh, through TSA and then getting all that taken care of and then scheduling a charter and things like that. I know it was much smoother this trip or, or last year's trip than it was when uh, Steve and Mark and a buddy of theirs, uh, Mike went up. So it was just three of them when they first went to Kodiak. And I remember hearing a story or hearing them tell, say uh, that they were dropped off uh, from a guy, you know, basically like they flew out of uh, Larson Bay to Kodiak and they were just, uh, they were waiting for another plane to pick them up from Kodiak to, to Anchorage or whatever. I mean, I remember it was definitely just kind of a, you know, crapshoot. Yeah, um, turned into a good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, I mean, there's tons of articles, resources, things out there just to, you know, um, prepare and, and, you know, get 
uh, you know, a, a year's worth of knowledge of just, you know, what it's like hunting Kodiak and what it takes to hunt Kodiak and what you need. And, um, definitely bring good gloves. I'm glad I did, uh, two pairs of boots and warm clothes and then you should just be good to go. And then, uh, really just line out what you want, what your budget is and make it happen. I will say one thing is, um, just, I think people, if you're not afraid of flying in planes, which my dad is, so I'm going to try to get them on there, try and try to get them going to Kodiak. But if you're not one of those people and you just, you want to go, just do it. I know I, I probably sound like Steve, you know, Steve is known just for saying like, just go do it. Go, go just be tough, be mentally strong. Just yeah. <laughs> don't be a yeah. sissy. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's, that's Steve. Yeah. Um, just go do it. You know, if you're thinking about it, just don't wait um, because it's really worth it. It's, it pays off in the end and it's memories that'll last a lifetime. No, it, it truly is a cool opportunity up there. And I'll let, uh, just cut off Sean over here. He, he did his first trip over there this fall and I'm sure he's going to tie into that. Go get it. Uh, oh, I don't want to. It was a horrible <laughs> trip. I mean, it was the, the greatest experience of my life. Don't get me wrong. Going on the yeah. boat, staying on the boat is truly a once in a lifetime experience that everyone should do at least one time. But the weather, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. unpredictable, and <laughs> totally hosed us. Oh, yeah. Sean had a trip, oh, for, uh, just a nightmare trip. I mean, we had, shoot, what was it? We've, ta- we've talked this story like three times on here. But, uh, shoot, I think we got four inches of rain in three days. We got, this, and this was a mid-October hunt. We got six inches of snow on the second to last day there was three days i don't think we were even able to get off the boat man we just got hammered left and right by weather and then oh oh yeah then y'all got after a real nice buck the second to last day and then fog rolled in yeah we were hoofing after him samantha my girlfriend and i glassed him up you're probably i don't know a thousand yards away saw him first buck we seen all trip Fog starts rolling in real hard. Wind starts picking up, and we're hoofing it. We are full tilt, trying to hike up to him, gassed. Fog rolled in, completely socked out, and he was gone. There was no finding him. And trying to predict the weather is just impossible on Kodiak. But gloves, extra boots. <laughs> Two pieces of advice yeah. I can give anyone. Yeah. Extra boots, gloves. Oh yeah, because everything's wet and everything's thorny on Kodiak. Yeah, we did a, no a couple weeks ago. We did a kind of a truth about Kodiak episode, and we actually brought up a. It was right when the Born and Raised guys released their video of Kodiak, and there was kind of just a big media dump uh, from a, several different outlets from their fall Kodiak hunts, and we kind of went through and not not exactly reviewed them, but you know we watched all of them and just gave our uh, honest input on you know what was kind of a useful resource who did what you know what we thought was you know good bad whatever but no the born and raised guys and y'all's uh you know between all the footage from that trip of y'all's it was definitely probably one of the better resources out there on youtube at least for kind of the reality of what kodiak can be because it's you know a lot of people hear the you know, you can get three tags there's deer everywhere um you know it's it's like shopping at a grocery store, which I mean, at times it can be. And when it's really good, it, you know, it most definitely is, but 
you know, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff behind the scenes that don't ever get addressed, like the devil's club or like, you know, just all kinds of, you know, kind of the nitty gritty and the dirty side of Kodiak. And that was kind of the gist of that episode we did. And, um, the content that, uh, y'all at XO and the born and raised guys produced, it was, you know, definitely a great, uh, piece of material for anybody that's looking to plan out a trip. It's a great resource. It kind of gives the, you know, what I would say the, the true side of Kodiak, what, you know, the upsides to it and, you know, the downsides, another good one out there. Uh, Remy Warren released one, uh, video a couple years back, but I think he was hunting the Larson Bay area as well. And, uh, just kind of the same thing. Got it. You get a real, you know, true side of it. And cause it, I mean, it's an amazing opportunity, you know, it can be extremely bountiful, but it can also just be downright nasty and just miserable at times. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not the easiest hike in, like you're not going to put in a, you know, a 10 mile day. Most likely you're not going to cover overall distance, you know, like you would maybe on a high country mule deer hunt or, you know, during elk season, you're not going to put the amount of miles in, but the, just the, how thick the brush can be, especially that first 800, you know, feet from sea levels, just, you know, it is thick. You get in those choked out alder patches where, I mean, you're just, you know, you don't know what's what, you know, there could be a bear 10 feet from you and you don't even, you know, you wouldn't even be aware of it because you can barely see the, you know, your hand in front of your face. But, but, um, before, uh, before I eat up too much of your time and we hop off here, uh, touch a couple of like the gear items you took, like what, uh, what rifle or more specifically, like what caliber did you take? Um, and just any, uh, gear pieces you might want to like highlight that were, you know, served you well, or if there was anything that you thought, you know, left something to be desired or something you would have packed instead, uh, let's touch a little bit of the gear stuff. For sure. Yeah. So for rifle, um, I'm shooting a Savage. Um, uh, so it's their model 110 ultralight. So it's the uh, um, one with the proof research barrel uh, put on it. So yeah, it's, it's, in a, it's calibrated in a, or chambered in a 6.5 PRC. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm just shooting a 3x15 loophole scope. Nothing fancy. That's it. Um, I mean, yeah, and it killed three deer for me this year. One in Idaho and two in, two in Alaska. So it's been good uh and then another amazing thing i used is the um oh what are they called the wiser precision uh quick sticks so i use the uh, sns archery trekking poles and then mount those up with the quick sticks and then that you know it's a two-in-one you you have trekking poles and then when you want to shoot you link those together and you've got a you know awesome uh you know stand bipod to you know be able to you know put your gun on rest and and settle down and be able to, you know, make the shot. Um, you do yeah, work with Mark gear <laughs> with that. I said, you do work with Mark. You're starting to sound like, <laughs> uh, yeah. I know, I know. I think he's talked about that probably 63 times. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 64 <laughs> to be exact, I believe, but <laughs> right. Oh man. Uh, but for gear, um, there was, so there's these pair of gloves. Uh, I think they're called like the Showa Temres. They're bright blue. They're, you know, baby blue colored, uh, fleece lined, uh, full on rubber waterproof gloves. You know, it looks like a, um, like you're working at a fish market kind of glove. Those things kept me dry, um, you know, and warm and were just absolute clutch. And I think I paid $20 for them on Amazon. And I remember seeing, uh, Nolan, one of our deckhands, he was using the same gloves as I was. And I was like, 
in the back of my head, oh, I'm doing something right. <laughs> I can't I've made good gloves that I do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, two pairs of boots. That was great. Uh, Jerry at his lodge, he got those uh, uh, boot warmers. So that's great. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, clothing, it was, I did have, you know, mainly it was all first light clothing. So, um, you know, they're, their new foundry pants, which were great with the, the hip zips um, to ventilate was, was, was awesome. And then just a, you need a solid rain jacket and pants. So the seek uh, rain jacket and pant were clutch for, you know, busting through the brush and then also fishing. So, I mean, it, you know, kept you waterproof and then it cut the wind like no other. Um, so that was, you know, that was the clothing side. And then packs, obviously you got to run an XO. Um, we were actually all running prototypes on that. Um, and I'm able to talk about that since we did have that on the, uh, born and raised YouTube channel. Those were just prototypes. So if anybody sees those, um, you know, it's nothing final. We were just testing different ideas and concepts, but it was really awesome to be, you know, it was the first time those packs were really put to use. And, um, yeah, we were able to gather a lot of information and, and, um, you know, be able to take that back into the drawing board and, you know, redesign some things here and there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was super just easy. It was just pack more gear than you usually would for a hunt and just have a giant duffel bag of stuff and choose from it, have different, you know, base layers and mid layers to kind of choose from depending on what the weather's like. And, um, yeah, that's really all, all there was to it, honestly, for, you know, for me. I really don't remember. Oh, and I, I did care. I bring my, bring my computer cause I had to keep up with work and school while I was gone, but that's a, that's not really needed. No, that's awesome. So, uh, I know you can't dig too deep into any of this, but, uh, those packs y'all were working on, is that just, uh, uh, an alteration off of y'all's K3 that y'all have out right now? Or is it kind of, a um, a whole new, you know, from the ground up design, or is that more kind of, uh, altering y'all's K3 design that's out right now? Right. I got to be careful with what I say. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't want to get you, I don't want to get you in trouble. So, uh, yeah, I mean, really, if, uh, I would say if you just look at the pictures and the video, you'll definitely see there's a lot of differences. I mean, a ton of differences. And so, yeah, I mean, it's really just Steve, uh, you know, coming up with different idea, different concept, uh, and, putting that, you know, into a pack and, and just running it, see when it's, you know, we're, we're keeping the same concept of, you know, bag in, or, or meat in between the bag and the frame, but, you know, just trying to trim up the fat, different features, mm. uh, hit different, you know, components, um, you know, from customer feedback and from our testings and, you know, apply that to the design and, and see what we can get out of it. So, yeah, I mean, K3 packs, those things are, are bomb proof. I mean, we've been running them. We've, you know, we've had them in the lineup since uh, middle or yeah, I mean, summer of 2019. So, you know, they're tried and true. We're not going to be changing anything for, for the year 2022. Um, I mean, it's possible we do come out with something new next year. There's no timeline. It's, you know, we're just working on, you know, working on things. And, and you know, that's the awesome thing about being a small company just owned by Steve is, you know, we don't really have like this, major due date uh it's just whenever steve's ready to you know launch the you know finished product that he's you know finished designing um so that's the super cool part of you know being you're being a part of that company is being able to watch you know everything from the ground up and turn it turn into what it will be and what it is already 
No, that's awesome. And I was, I was just curious because we get a lot of, I mean, one of the pleasures of doing the job that we do is, you know, every hunter that comes on the boat has, you know, a different variation of, you know, their gear and stuff. And I've been able to see, you know, yeah. I, I personally don't own an XO because I'm broke and you know, <laughs> I just, you know, working on other stuff currently want to get into in on one of those here soon, but I'm buying a, a freight loading pack for packing here this fall. I tried to talk my guide into, I was like, can I do an X? He was like, ah, we don't like, you know, integrated frame packs for what you're going to be doing. I was like, fine. But, uh, but I've gotten to see kind of well, you all have, the, you progr- have my number, so we'll get, <laughs> exactly. we'll get something taken care of. <laughs> no, but, uh, I've gotten to see the progression of the packs through our clients. And a lot of them, uh, run your guys's packs and just getting to, you know, see the changes throughout the different, uh, variations. And, you know, all of our clients are cool. So I'm always like, yeah, can I, uh, borrow that for 30 minutes ago, you know, throw some rocks in it, go hike around the beach and stuff. And, you know, I get to do my own little gear testing with the myriad of stuff that comes along, you know, comes aboard the boat. But, yeah. but no, yeah, I'm like, that'd be awesome being able to test all that. Yeah, no, it's, it's just neat. And I mean, a lot of it, you know, people are always like, Oh, I've got the new NL pures by Swarovski. You want to look through them? I'm like, Nope, can't afford them. Yeah. That's a, that's a thing you'll regret you never did because once you look through rental peers, you're ruined because you're going to try to learn, you're going to try to find out each and every way to scrape $4,000. Exactly. That's why I was like, I was like, I'm happy with my Maven B2s. And I was like, you know, I can't afford it right now. And I was actually, uh, we've had him on the podcast before. Big shout out to Jet Gomez. Uh, but uh, he was like, oh, come on, you'll love them. I was like, I know, that's, that's, that's the problem. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I know myself. Yeah. I'm not going to not gonna stretch myself yeah. there. But um, how oh, long absolutely. have you been shooting that uh, 6.5 PRC, if you don't mind me asking? That uh, Savage 110 Ultralight's a sweet platform. I actually built one out for my girlfriend for her first hunting rifle and did it in a uh, .30-06, but uh, really wanted to do the 6.5 PRC, but up here we just didn't really have have any availability for ammo or the rifle necessarily. But uh, how's that been treating you? Yeah, I mean, it's been treating me great. I got it through end of... I got it at the end of 2020. Uh, no, 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 I got it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got it at the, the start of last year, so 2021. So I had just got it uh, last year, and uh, it's been awesome. Steve, uh, he, I mean, I got it from him. Uh, that was he, he got that right for me for kind of like my Christmas bonus. So shout out to Steve. Um, and so I was, he ended up, uh, it, I mean, ammo was so hard to come by. He, you know, passed down two boxes of uh, Hornaday 143 grain ELDX ammunition that was already you know loaded from the factory from spark munitions they got it i mean it was a it was a dial dialed in load i mean i shot all three deer with them and you know one shot one kill um so i mean the the, i mean it's i've been absolutely loving it it's an it's an absolute tack driver uh stoked to kind of get more into that i my family has been you know has a past of being super knowledgeable in guns. I mean, my grandpa back in the day owned a gun shop in California and then that passed down to my dad just loving, you know, all things, you know, rifle hunting and, you know, shotguns and things like that. So he knows a whole, whole lot uh, more than I do. So I'm stoked to kind of get into that a little bit more. Uh, you know, I know archery fairly well, how to tune, you know, different spine arrows, things like that, broadheads, uh, yada, yada. But when it comes to rifle, I'm not as confident um, but I did, you know, just 
I got the 6.5 PRC dyes. Um, I just got some uh, 140 grain burgers. Um, yeah, I'm stoked to, to load those up. Um, but yeah, I mean, so far, can't say enough about that 6.5 PRC. I mean, Savage really knocked it out of the park, you know, just with that 110 ultralight. Um, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, I, from everybody I know who's, um, you know, used or bought and shot that gun, they, they all love it as well. Yeah. And it's, man, I tell you what, that Savage 110 ultralight, it's kind of, in my opinion, been like the redheaded stepchild of the mountain rifles because it's, I don't know if it's just because it's the, you know, the Savage action on there or what, but man, that thing is a tack driver. The proof research barrel alone makes the rifle worth it. And I just never hear it, hear it you know, in the conversation when, you know, anybody's talking about lightweight mountain rifles. And I mean, it comes in at a more consumer price point. I mean, it's still, I think it retails at fourteen ninety nine or something like that. So, you know, still a pricey gun, but when you compare it to like the backcountry TI 2.0 from, uh, uh, Weatherby and stuff, or even the, um, Kimber Mountain Ascent. I mean, it just at that price point, you can't ask for a better shooting gun. And I mean, it weighs freaking three feathers in a, you know, cookie crumb. So they're, they're sweet guns. And no, you'll, you'll yeah. definitely, yeah. you'll definitely be keeping up with it for a while. And especially that 6.5 PRC, oh, yeah. especially y'all's neck of the wood, that thing will freaking, you know, it brings a wall up, shoots fat fast flat shooting and i mean like you said you just got those uh the dies to start hand loading those burgers are great rounds you're gonna you know you just opened a whole new pandora's box of <laughs> spending money I know. <laughs> oh I, know. I, I mean my dad he's been doing that for you know years and years and, and and don't get me wrong i've I've reloaded a lot in the past with my dad um you know when i was shooting a 7 by 57 millimeter mauser um that was passed down from from my grandpa um, but yeah, I mean, when I, that was, you know, younger and then, uh, we really just, we got that archery, you know, we just we kind of fell into that love and passion for archery, which we still do. I mean, archery is 90% of our hunting. Um, but it's just something that I want to get even more into and just learn, you know, ballistic coefficients and, you know, all types of things like that. I mean, I want to name stuff, but I, it's just not even coming to my brain right now, but, um, yeah, just get more knowledgeable from that and, you know, spend time with my dad loading, you know, loading up ammo and, um, yeah, getting things dialed in, sighted in at the range and yeah, enjoy all that happy, fun stuff. Just like how you do with the bow. I mean, just more time is what you guys are saying. Heck yeah. No, it's like, you know, there's a lot worse hobbies out there. So, well, we've eaten up a bunch of your time and I know it's late back home. So, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure getting you on the, on the podcast. I apologize for the little bit of technical stuff we had there in the middle, but no, it's been a pleasure having you on. We'd love to have you back on whenever you'd like. And man, if you're ever up here in Alaska again, shoot, shoot send us, send us a line and man, we'll do whatever to help you guys out, get y'all pointed in the right direction with anything or shoot, might have to go, uh, get you your first bear one of these years. Come up here, oh, do yeah. a spring bear hunt with right. us. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, the guys, uh, you know, the exo guys and myself and kind of the death height crew, we're actually flying out to Alaska June 23rd to the 26th. Um, so yeah, we will be up there, but I know we're just kind of like on a real tight timeline of just get there, start hiking, get out, fly back. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll definitely, uh, keep you guys. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate you guys having me on the podcast. It's been a, been a pleasure and, uh, yeah, it's just been awesome 
being able to talk with you guys. I mean, it's been able, it's been fun reliving my Kodiak hunt. It's, I'm going to probably watch some videos tonight on, <laughs> on that stuff again, just, just to relive it. <laughs> Heck yeah. No, I know our listeners appreciated, you know, everything you had to share your Kodiak trip, as well as, like I said, we got a lot of crossover listeners. So, you know, just getting them more information on EXO, you guys, you know, it's an awesome, awesome crew of people y'all have down there. Me and Sean are, you know, avid listeners of your guys's podcast and, you know, big fans of y'all's equipment. So, you know, it's, it's just a pleasure, but it's been a pleasure talking with you and we'll stay in touch, man, and have a good rest of your evening. Yeah, likewise, guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Keep in touch as well, and uh, yeah, stoked to stoked to keep in touch and see how you guys' season does this fall. Will do. Likewise. All righty. Have a good one, brother. Yeah, you as well. Take it easy. Oh, that was a good one. Had a little uh, technical hubba bubba. So uh, yeah, hopefully that went all fine. But no, it's cool to hear because I, you know, watching the videos, you see them going around hunting. It's cool to hear their perspective mm-hmm. from the video because, you know, us watching in. Yeah, we get the edited version of what yeah. the final cut is, and it's just always fun to get, you know. It's nice to get, especially in this situation, you know, Jake's, you know, our age, kind of the the new guard, if you would, of yeah. the hunting industry. You know, we're still on the, just the precipice of getting into the hunting industry, but you know, as we age, as we grow, just individuals, you know, like ourselves and Jake, seeing that growth, seeing that expansion, you know, hearing him getting into, you know, getting into shooting, which will transition into, you know, probably getting into long range shooting, getting into the PRS stuff and just, you know, getting, kind of getting that perspective because you always get the perspective of, you know, everybody that's been in the industry for 25 years. You know, it's nice to, see a perspective of somebody who's you know just on the front end of that just getting into it and seeing that you know that fire in his belly and you know hearing him talk about when uh you know his dad you know brought up the opportunities you know didn't even let him finish his sentence like yes you know without a doubt where do i sign you know (laughs) right now right (laughs) yeah so well it was preached to us you know our entire lives was find the old guy hang out with him learn from him not saying they're old but (laughs) That's how it's always been. Find the most knowledgeable guy there, work your ass off for him, and start learning. Exactly. That's the best way to do it. You mm-hmm. know, him, when he's multitasking with school also and then getting out there and hunting at the same time, it's awesome. Yeah. And I really liked hearing the way he was talking, you know, when he's uh, off at the expos, you know, at the shows and stuff, just the networking he does. And, you know, I got a, a lot of my myself, you know, vibes mm-hmm. from that. Just, you know, how he referred to himself as the Rolodex. And, <laughs> you know, if I can talk to somebody, I'm going to, you know, I could talk to a serious. stump if it'd listen. So, <laughs> so, no, it was just, it was cool seeing that like-mindedness and just seeing that uh, excitement and energy towards the towards the hunting industry and just, you know, knowing that there's going to be, you know, another generation to just keep, you know, keep pumping the energy and the money into the hunting realm, keeping it relevant, keeping, you know, good, you know, businesses like XO open because, you know, as everything's a giant conglomerate now, you know, companies like 
Kuyu, too big for the britches. I mean, even, uh, you know, Sitka, Giant, all your, you know, big companies. And there's nothing wrong with that. All I mean, that's just the nature of business, you know, expansion, growth. That's just the way it goes. But it just, I don't know, those small boutique dealerships where you're just pumping out quality gear, you know, I'll always stand behind the, you know, XO name. I've never personally owned them, but I've gotten to wear them. I've gotten to pack around stuff with them. I will own some XO gear. Your boy just has other things he has to buy and pay for like a mortgage now Uh, but no so it's just it's it's cool sitting down and getting that you know fresh perspective and yeah well not a lot of kids our age kids men our age (laughs) little baby boys are trying to get into it and you don't see a whole lot of that action kind of happening you know i know maybe one two other around our same age they go out and do it so it's really cool to hear it from somewhere else in a different perspective. And there's, I mean, and there's a lot that, you know, are into it, but there's so much, so much of it has gotten uh, romanticized, yeah. you know, and just kind of almost, you know, bastardized. But um, it just, what am I trying to say with this? It's just, it's turned into the Instagram culture of things. Yeah. And it's just like, it's nice to see just that true burning passion to just want to want to learn want to you know grow as a person grow in the outdoors you know he doesn't like you know he brought out he's not gonna sit here and act like he's you know the be-all end-all expert on mule deer he's killed one mule deer buck in his life that's you know i've you know we're very similar in that way you know we're not gonna sit here and act like something we're not we're gonna provide information that we can and experience that we can and you know help as many people as we can along the way but you know just being true to yourself understanding that you know there's someone else here that i can learn from you know whether it's you know, an uncle, a father, a cousin, a coworker, a friend, a stranger on the river, you know, you can always learn from somebody. You don't have to, you know, everybody wants to be the, oh, well, the reason that bull didn't come in is because, you know, you should, you should have set up a cow party and had somebody over here call in and, you know, you should have break some brush. You know, everybody wants to be the, you know, Monday morning quarterback, sit back and give their advice. And it's just nice to see that perspective of, you know, being willing to just suck up all the information around you. Cause I mean, that's, that's how you better yourself to later become that, you know, wealth of knowledge, you know, be the sponge now so you can be the well later. Yep. As the second you think you know the most about something or you're the best at it, you lose because there's always going to be someone better than you. Always someone who just know more. And the second you stop trying to learn more and more, you lose. Yep. So, never, never be content. Stay hungry. Always yep. grow. <laughs> Ugh. Right on. Well, shoot on that one. Uh, what do we got? Oh, news for next week. Um, but first, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, please do go like us on Facebook, Instagram, all the thingamabobbers. But uh, teaser, follow us on Instagram at average underscore Alaskan underscore podcast because next week we're going to be going over black bear gear and equipment, and we might. Or might not, leaning towards might, depends on how awesome you guys are. But we're looking into going live, putting that up on Instagram, doing a live podcast for you guys. It'll still be released 
on Thursday, like normal for our normal listeners. But if you guys want an insight on how we do the podcast and just some hands-on gear stuff that we'll be going over, we will be going live on Instagram uh, next week with our episode. So we'd like y'all to join. Give your feedback on all that. Show up. Heck yeah. It's going to be a good time. Um, But other than that, you got anything? Gloves and extra pairs of boots. Yep. Stay hungry, stay tough. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. Well, you guys know the drill. Go do all the likey thingies, subscribies, raties, whatevers. But uh, stay warm, stay active. It's springtime. Go collect some sheds. Go shoot a bear. Shoot a turkey. Some vitamin D. Yup. All righty. Y'all stay warm, stay average. It's been a good time.